my people what the hell is going on episode nine unnecessary rambling we're here ready to go with a big episode for you all today i appreciate y'all for tuning in stopping by and uh yeah man got a lot to go over i know i say that every week but this week it is especially true we got two big topics to dive into you guys voted for the top 10 ps3 games so that will be covered and then it's looking like these top 10 playstation games are just going to win each week so it's might as well go ahead and hit ps2 and ps1 while we're at it cover that up in the next two weeks and then um we have the the april rankings to get into ranking everything that i played in april and uh we got an, an, another nice little fun topic here regarding xbox so um I, I haven't followed the news too well this week if i'm being honest because jedi survivor has just been totally dominating all of my damn free time i've, I've had my head in the sand a little bit there haven't been keeping up with the news as well as i would like so a little bit light on the news front this week but a bunch of good topics to dive into nonetheless so thank you all for stopping by hope y'all are doing well hope y'all are ready for a nice long ass ramble here and uh because i'm sure it's gonna be oh we'll we'll, we'll try to get through it in, in an hour and 30 or less but you know we'll see how that ends up going but as always Got to kick it off first with what I am playing and got to talk about some Jedi Survivor. Like I said, I can try to make this brief. I know I talked about it for 30 minutes last week, so I'm going to try to keep it under 30 minutes, hopefully. So I have to say this up front. I finished it, finished Jedi Survivor. And when I finished it, I was left sitting there. And this will carry over into the other games uh, I've been playing. But I was left sitting there going, I don't know how to move on from this. And that doesn't happen f- to me often. I-, I can play a big-ass game, jump immediately into a big game the next day. I'm like, oh, cool, you know, I experienced it. I jump onto the next, like, no problem. This was something that was just, like, lingering with me, where I went on to play different games that we'll talk about, and I just couldn't. Like, I could not get into anything. And... That's a rare phenomenon for me. I, I uh, That is not something that occurs often at all. And I don't know if it's the narrative weight of what I experienced with that game. And, and once again, I said this last week, but I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. I enjoy Star Wars. I've watched all the movies, but I don't follow the, the fucking books. I don't follow the, the TV shows, all that uh, seriously. But this narrative here, it was constantly raising the stakes where it seemed like every around three to four hours, you had a moment that was like a, a goosebumps, hair on the back of your neck standing up, just like big, large scale moments that really made you feel like you were taking part in a Star Wars epic. And the the close off, the final, we'll say the final four hours of this game, I could not believe what I was seeing these character arcs and the motives for for some of these villains not getting into spoilers but the motives for why some of these villains did what they did and the shocks and the the just the wow factor there's a chase scene and i'll just leave it there top tier moment for me in gaming in terms of combining gameplay with the story and 
making you just feel so goddamn immersed. It was perfectly put together and, and laid out that, that I, I was just in all, I, I was in all multiple times. Some of the boss fights, uh, some of them, maybe not so much shocking. If you played the, 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 the first game, like there, there, uh, some of those moments you could kind of see coming, but it's still just th that on top of the characters that you meet for the first time and following their arc throughout the, the journey and seeing Cal react to everything and trying to keep his composure while facing a real fucking struggle, a real uphill battle towards the back end of that game. Top tier shit, top, top tier shit. And just in terms of the gameplay variety that, that is offered up as you progress and as you upgrade your character, the amount of fun that you have with the moment to moment in survivor is I keep going back to the word epic because like, that's the only way the only word I can use to describe the, the way that it makes you feel like you, you know, unlock the ability to force slam characters and force lift them up in the air and then slam them back down. And then you're upgrading that throughout the course of the game and you get the ability to force lift some of the more powerful enemies who you couldn't, you know, lift before. And then you're slamming them. To, and it's like, you know, you, the, the upgrades are so useful and, and rewarding to continue progressing with your force powers, with your different lightsaber. Like you have the four different stances for your lightsaber, the blaster that you get from the, the, you know, doing the bounty hunter quest and you can upgrade that with more powerful blast or stun blasts. And then you, you know, you have your dual wielding and your uh, Darth Maul, like fucking, you know, long ass lightsaber thing. Um, and so you have your four different stances that you can upgrade all of those, however you'd like. And, and uh, just, seeing a, a stormtrooper who has a rocket and they're they're perched up you know shooting that damn rocket down at you and you're you're trying to look for him you're trying to dodge trying to force push the rocket back at him but you're you're you're, you're not you're not quite nailing it and then you you spot that motherfucker and then you you force pull him to you and you just stick that damn lightsaber through his gut it's like so satisfying to you know once again with those upgrades you get the ability to do like the most powerful force push and you got the stormtroopers all lined up on a cliff there's four of them or whatever and you just force push all them bitches off the cliff and they go flying and you're like just just looking at, as they fall and marveling at your work it, it's fucking you know having a, a, a bunch of stormtroopers or a bunch of droids closing in at you and you you pull them all together you like tether them all together and then you throw your lightsaber and you kind of like do a little circle with cal to make sure that when your lightsaber comes back you end up hitting all 10 of the all 10 of the the droids or all 10 of the fucking stormtroopers or whatever the case may be and you're, you're just like lining up your kills you're playing with your food man it's it's so fun it's just so so fun to to engage with the combat i don't think that the lightsaber combat is like perfected i think that there is still 
a formula out there. I do think that allowing you to have these different stances opens up a lot more freedom to, for me, I, I went with the dual wielding at all times because that felt a little bit more like a character action game to me with the swiftness of it. The, the, it was a much quicker feeling to me. And that's what I want from the, these Jedi games. I want almost it, it to feel like a character action game because in my brain, that's always how I pictured Jedi uh, combat looking just like nonstop flow state, fast movement. And I, I do think that there's some developer out there who can one up this formula that respawn laid out, but this is the formula, you know, like it, it's like the, the web swinging with the, um with the Activision title for Spider-Man two and for, for the PS two, like that laid the foundation and insomniac, obviously was inspired by that foundation that was laid and improved on it drastically for 2018's game. And like that, I, I think that still can be done here. There were a couple things like the companion. I, I loved the tag team finishers that you could pull off with your companion, whoever you're going into battle with. And, but, but allowing for a little bit more diversity there, like a FF7 remake style, you know, swapping to the different character or even just a more strategic planning out and, and this is an inspection picking you have orders to what your pass. partner does in battle giving you a little bit more agency I in that would of course be you know you, epic sure um, and, and, and there are tweaks Let's and improvements so. that could be made i thought the blaster was a little bit on the weak minds don't stop them boring, from conquering the galaxy just, i never really used it because you just press triangle so i mean yeah to be honest it was a little bit boring but I did love the bounty hunter quests that you got, you know, where you go off and you track down these bounty hunters, they pop up out of nowhere and you're, you're, you're having to take on these bounty hunters. And it's just like this spontaneous sort of occurrence where you know where they're at in this vicinity, but you're not exactly sure where they're going to pop out. And then you go and you, you know, take the, the bounty back to, uh, was it like Kali? I, I forget her name. She's at the, the saloon and all your characters at the man, hollow tactics. It's this card-based game you play at the saloon when, when uh, what is it, uh, BD-1, whenever he scans, uh, and I, I called him like BD-8, in, or BD-8 in the, the last video, I, I think that's the Mandalorian. Come on, BD. Uh, droid thing, but the, you know, you, you take BD-1 and he scans the enemies, and then you can use the, the enemies that you scan, you can use them as a card in this Hollow Tactics game, which is essentially like a battle simulator that's going on. And it's so fucking this. fun. You, it's simple, but it's so fun. You're just watching a battle play out and you're, you're having to like, say there's 48 points on the board that you can use. You're like, okay, cool. Well, fuck, I, you know, I'm gonna, my, my tactic was always to line the backfield with, with, uh, with the Gatling gun stormtroopers because they do constant damage. So I line like three of them up in the back, two of the, the shielded troopers at the front, and then whatever points I had there, I would kind of plan and pick based off of that. Like, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the, the names of these characters. Like, you, you know, obviously you could use like your, your ATATs and you could use uh, some of the more powerful, like boss style characters that you fight in, in the game through uh, hollow tactics. But there was a couple, I, one that they'd had like this big ass electric axe thing and you would throw him into battle and he just took a bunch of fucking punishment. And um, 
yeah, but whatever. It, it was super fun. Like, the points could carry over if you didn't use them, so you could kind of plan that way with an extra layer of strategy there. I went through and played the whole fucking Hollow Tactics thing. And that's the thing with this game, that it did something to me that is not typical me at all, where I just wanted to do everything. And you guys know I'm a main narrative okay. guy. I want to get into this the main narrative. I have that fucking Pavlovian response. I like new shiny objects. When there's a new game coming out, I'm even if I'm really into something, I want to go and jump and check that out. It's just, I, I, I guess it's like throwing up a fucking blockbuster. It's, ooh, ooh, let me, let me, I'm gonna check that out. Check that out. And that just did not happen with me at all with Jedi Survivor. It was like I just wanted to non-stop play this. I wanted to do down, all the hollow huh? tactics. Anytime there was a new undiscovered you, area, I wanted to go off and discover that fucking area. Whenever there was a new power that I was was given throughout, you know, the, the main story, I wanted to go off and do more side questing to find, you know, okay, now I got the grapple gun. Let me grapple up here. I'm going to grapple to this fucking uh, balloon thing that's in the air. I'm going to springboard off that, jump to this platform that I didn't reach. Okay, now I got the force push and force pull abilities. I'm going to force pull this wall out that allows me to run across it i'm gonna run off this wall dash here there's a little uh air fucking pit thing that's gonna raise me up then i'm gonna grapple to this other wall to to run up it and it's like uh, you're, you're just constantly it, it's the fluidity of this game where you're moving so fast and it's cool because it almost harkens back in a way to like the ps2 days where you do have to do some thinking and some planning with your platforming, where it's not just like there, there, if you're overly reactionary with your platforming, if you're pressing X too often or circle too often and thinking you're fucking up, you're actually fucking yourself up more by overreacting and, and not just committing to that one button press that, that you, you made because you can, you know, press X and you might be a little bit off, but you can angle cow just slightly and you might grab on at the right time. And like, and it is the thing too, where it's okay if you fail because it, the, the checkpoints are right there. You're going to get booted right back to, to where you last fell and you try again. And it's like, there's no real risk for this unless you're just totally down on hell. Like you would have to do something 40 fucking times to like totally kill yourself and deplete all your, your, you know, health packs and all that shit. But, um, or your, your stem packs, but it, it it's, it feels there's a part in, in Jetta, which I showed some gameplay of last week, I believe, but it feels very Prince of Persia esque where you're you, there. There's a lot of environmental detail going on there. Like, you know, you're using, like I said, you're using the wind to kind of guide you and to push you in the right directions as you're running across the walls and strategizing and just trying to get to your destination. And, I don't know. There, there's something that's so, so goddamn fun about just exploring the unexplored locations in this game and not even for collectibles, not for like, I'm not a trophy hunter, not an achievement hunter. So it's not for that at all. It's like, oh, I just want to go and see if I can find a new um, health upgrade tank thing where I can go and get an additional stem pack or oh, I want to see if I can go find a uh, whatever the a force essence, or I want to see if I can go and find a, a Jedi trial to go and do to get a skill point or whatever the case may be. And, and, and honestly, just to sightsee 
that was kind of a big thing too, where these, these fucking locations are so beautiful that it's like, I just want to go and see what you have on offer here. I want to go and check all this shit out that, that you're, that you're laying out for me because it's so beautiful. And you'll, you'll go off and find this unexplored location that just spawns into like four or five other unexplored locations. And then there's that sense of wonder there that is, is hard to really quantify with a game. And it, it's for me really hard to get that experience at all with anything. And yeah, I don't know. It, it really, really worked for me uh, with the Metroidvania aspects of making me want to go back and check out everything that, that I could then unlock with, you know, BD uh, getting his new powers or cow getting new powers or however it transpired to allow me to see other locations of the game that I couldn't previously see. Like it, it just made me want to, to go out and, and, and fucking seek out everything, man. It was, it was a really, really, um, just, just a really rewarding, fun loop to, to take part in with, with the, with the exploration. But yeah, man, incredible characters. Uh, I don't know if I talked about him last week, but Turgle, Shout out to Turgle, uh, be, uh, voiced by the dude who voiced Invader Sim. Uh, I have it wrote down. Richard Horvitz voiced Invader Sim, and he also voiced Turgle in this game. And Turgle's just so que- uh, so cute, so sweet. Um, he he has like this cheerful aura about him, but he's a little bit. You 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 find like some some details on him throughout the game, like through these through the the force essence and shit where he's pretty down on himself pretty depressed uh full of of some some self-hatred and gets himself into some uh, precarious situations throughout the game and and it's just you feel for him but it's it's always cool to see him you know chilling at the chilling at the saloon and it's always nice to just run into some damn terrible but i i was really left after the game going like this honestly might be top 10 favorite stories ever in games the way that that they pull out these twists and turns and play with your expectations and and just shock the shit out of you but not for the sake of of shock value and the way that they flesh out cow towards the back end makes him like i really think it solidifies him as like legitimately an all-time star wars character you know with with your your top characters ever that have been introduced in the star wars um lore he he, he's he's up there he's up there as an all-time star wars character and there's some beautiful relationships in this game that i i i i I don't want to spoil anything. But I can't wait to see where they go next. Legit, easily the best Star Wars game I have ever played in my life, bar none. Nothing else is close. Um, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy would have been number one before this. Fallen Order would have been number two. Kotor would have been like I've, I, I. I love Star Wars games. Absolutely love them. But this is far and away the best one ever, without a doubt, hands down incredible ass video game to the point where um we'll continue this conversation here with ravenlock i I jumped into ravenlock right after playing star wars jedi survivor and boy i'm sorry ravenlock but it 
30 minutes in and I was like, I, I can't do this. I, I, once again, no disrespect to the game. I don't think it was the game's fault, but it was just a very jarring experience trying to move on from Jedi Survivor. I, I was everything that I played. I kept going to myself like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to play anything but fucking Jedi Survivor ever again. Like I, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta play other shit, or my damn show is gonna turn into a damn Jedi Survivor show. But I, I, I had a tough time getting into anything else. To just being totally honest, and but yeah, I played a little bit of Ravenlock. Played about thirty minutes of it, and as soon as it, it started getting to a point where it's like, hey, go and backtrack and find this character that you discovered you know, 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago, you uncle Harry, he has a key for you. It's who the fuck's on. I, I don't know who uncle Harry is. Yeah. I don't have a map to go find uncle Harry. I'm just stumbling around trying to find goddamn uncle Harry. So I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just stumbling and bumbling around fucking Raven. Like I think the world's cute. I think the, uh, the, the visuals are, are, are pretty solid for what they're going for there with the, the Alice in Wonderland kind of uh, hallucination or dream sequence, if you will, traveling to this fairy tale land through the mirror where your family, they kind of, they, they inherited this, this beautiful country home and uh, the, the, the daughter is missing her friends back in the city and she finds this mirror and she like uh, touches the mirror and the mirror transports her to this magical dimension. Like that whole setup's fine. And like, it was nothing offensive at all, but it was just very fucking hard to play anything after Jedi survivor. Um, so like I said, 30 minutes or so of Ravenlock jumped into Redfall. Uh, shout out to Madden Looney. We we tried, man. We played a couple hours. I played a couple hours myself. Maybe maybe played three hours uh, of the game total. Um, for one, it's just not good. The AI is fucking busted. Awful, awful, awful AI. Shooting's not great. The the uh, performance is bad. Uh, it's just not a good game. Like it's objectively not a good game. You you can't fucking stealth kill your enemies. Um, it, it, I, it wasn't in terms of like game breaking bugs. I didn't experience really anything on that level. It was just like, it, it was, it looked like a very outdated seventh generation game that performed like a seventh generation game with your 30 frames per second. And, uh, even I think dipping quite often below that. Um, but, that wasn't really the worst thing about Redfall at all to me. The worst thing about Redfall to me was just the fact that I had no idea why I was there. What was the point of any of this was, was kind of what I kept thinking. Like I, cause I still love cutscenes in games. I feel like it's a reward to finish up a gameplay segment and get a cool fucking cutscene presented to you here. You get still images. So it's like, Okay, if you're going to do no cutscenes, commit to that and just do none of them. I don't want to see still images where you narrate a story. Not if you're a triple A fucking studio. Not if you're, you know, published by a, like, you're a Microsoft first party studio. That that that's crazy to me. We shouldn't be looking at still images. Absolutely nuts. But I I can't. It's once again, I I don't know how much of this and and 
I picked uh, Layla, the character Layla, because she had telekinetic abilities. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm coming off Jedi Fallen Order or Jedi Survivor. I, I still want to mess around with fucking uh, telekinesis and these these different force-like powers. That shit was boring as hell. A fucking umbrella that pops out and defends you. And then a little uh, like like building uh, f- building tool where you can run up this this platform and do like a super jump. Say, like, what the fuck? That that's incredibly boring. Um, look, it's it's it's. I don't think it's, you know, what I think the scores are at like a fifty nine right now for Redfall, somewhere in that that high fifties range. I think that's fair, you know, very low sixes, high fives. Like, I feel like that's probably somewhere in the, in the realm of reality. It, and, and I don't know how much of this is just me, like, unable to move on from, from Jedi Survivor. Like, I'm actually kind of worried about other big games that are releasing soon, where it's like, I got to get back in the mindset of wanting to play other shit or I'm not going to have a damn show to talk about games. I I can't, like I said, can't just be a Jedi survivor show, but I I don't think that's really the case with Redfall or Ravenlock. I I just, neither of them really clicked for me. So that's, uh, that's my thoughts on old Redfall there. But now we come to the game that I actually do think I am. I'm going to finish the game that restored my my faith a little bit here, and that is Bramble the Mountain King. Um, I, I wanted to play this uh, a very much Little Nightmares inspired title. I love Little Nightmares one and two, and I, I wanted to dive into this. I wanted to check it out. It's an indie team, but it, they, it it's ambitious as fuck. The, the scale of Bramble is really impressive. Where it's you know once again a little character big world title uh adventure puzzle solving it, 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 it it's when you see it you're like oh yeah that's looks a lot like little nightmares and it's definitely taking inspiration from that but the cool thing here is that for one the scale of the enemies the scale of some of these monsters that you're running up against are really really shocking and really impressive to see and to see the detail of some of these monsters is is it looks pretty damn high budget for an indie title. Um, even the the world design and and it, it's very artistic. The the art direction, the art design is really solid. The character models look pretty decent. Um, almost this like doll esque look to them that is slightly creepy. And yeah, it, it, it's this game has really impressed me so far. I'm only about an hour into it. But I think it's a real short game. And I I appreciate that it is aware of its strengths and aware of its weaknesses. Like uh, self-awareness or or developer awareness is an underutilized or an underappreciated aspect of a team. If you know something is in your wheelhouse, something is is you know in your strong suits, and you are really able to lean into the pros and avoid the cons like that. I think that's a, a very very underappreciated talent for a developmental team. And this team, they know that they're not, they can't quite do the the little nightmares and and limbo and inside style platforming to a T like that. 
So they really don't focus on that as much as the adventuring elements and the story elements. And it, it's leaning on that a lot more. And I, I actually appreciate that. And I also very much appreciate how unbelievably fucked up this game is like unbelievably fucked up for, for those of you who like your, your limbos and your, your insides and your little nightmares and you like the horror themes, but you don't like straight up in your face, horror and gore and like the gratuitous violence stay far away from Bramble. Like this little kid, this is a little kid going around and exploring and he is getting gruesomely slaughtered by big ass monsters on a regular basis. And then that's not a spoiler or anything. That's a, a, a gameplay loop that you will experience time and time again. If you get spotted and you get picked up by a big ass monster and she just squishes your little ass head and you see the blood flying everywhere, it's up in your face, gory. And so for those of you who might be squeamish towards that, Bramble is not going to be your game, but pretty sure most of you following me and following the type of games I like, it's probably another day at the office for you, but uh, it, 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 I do want to say that up front for it. This is not your little nightmare style, uh, subtle horror or, or little nightmares, not so much subtle, but inside style, subtle horror. Like it, it, it's straight up gruesome fucking horror. Um, and then like that, that shock value horror, but I don't know. I, I kind of appreciate it. And I, I just, I'm really shocked by the, the scale. Uh, I, I keep going back to it, but I'm, I'm shocked by the scale of the monsters that you go up against and just the visual fidelity of this game overall. It's one that I, you know, I, I think it's, like I said, only a three hour game. It did get a physical copy. Uh, I think it was 30 bucks. I, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I paid 30 bucks for it. Um, three hours for 30 bucks. You know, I, for me, 10 hours and 10 or $10 an hour for a solid experience. I'm, I'm not too against that. Um, but, but your mileage may vary on that element there, but yeah, I've really been enjoying uh Bramble. And I do think I finally found a game that will allow me to, to get into it enough to finish it after playing Jedi survivor. And I think it's once again, probably because of the the influence of Little Nightmares. I love those games, but also because it's a little bit simpler than Little Nightmares and Inside and Limbo. It's something that I can kind of just dive into, relax and play through and then slowly uh, wean myself off of, of the, the Jedi survivor drug. So, yeah. Bramble the Mountain King. Shout out to it. All right, I have two stories that uh, I want to rapid fire go over here. Two little news items. Pixel Opus has uh, uh, been closed. Sony or oh, PlayStation shut down old Pixel Opus, the, the makers of Concrete Genie. And we, we just talked about them not too long ago at all. Like with the rumor, I believe that, that they were, it, it was a rumor that they were working on a, a Sly Cooper game and to just be shut down. Uh, out the blue like that, which I mean, they haven't made a game in, in quite some time. And, you know, it, 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 these type of things happen, but that, that is just very, very shocking. Kind of like an out of the blue announcement there. I was just, and this happened today as of recording this, I was scrolling through Twitter. And I was pixel Opus this fucking makers of concrete genie has been, uh, has been shut down. And we also have this story here, a rumor of a potential, Superman game 
in the works. This is coming from home of DCU. It says Zoslav hints at a potential Superman game to go alongside Superman legacy. It may be in the next couple of years that we launch Superman movie and people will spend more time. And there's more economics of people just hanging out in the Superman world. So that obviously sounds, uh, so, uh, unless it's in relation to some VR technology or some shit, but yeah, uh, David Zoslav is the CEO of uh, Warner brothers discovery. So, I mean that, that 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 sounds like almost a pretty definite hint that there is a Superman game in the works going to be really interested to see how they can figure out to you know launch a Superman game and and I I don't think it's as much of a impossibility as some people make it out to be I think there is a way to make a Superman game I mean it 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 has to be fucking possible I, and I I even do think that there was a PS2 uh, shadows shadows of the apocalypse or something on the PS2. It's kind of a more artsy or, or cartoony style graphical presentation, but I, I thought that game was actually pretty damn good for, for a Superman title. So I think you can do it. There just hasn't been anybody that's taken a shot at it since uh, what man of steel on the PS3. So it, it's been a while. And I, I think that's I, shit. Give that to fucking avalanche. Uh, the, the team who worked on Hogwarts legacy. I'm sure they could crank out a Superman game. And final story, I just want to give a shout out here. Go watch the damn kind of funny interview, the X cast. Watch their interview with Phil Spencer. It is fucking great. Really, really, really good. And um, yeah, I, I just want to give that a shout out. There's a bunch of tidbits in there, a bunch of news information that is very, very much worth seeking out if you're a fan of Xbox at all, or if you're just a fan of the industry at all. There's a lot in there that is very much worth your time. And uh, yeah, some one of the most grounded, one of the most shockingly negative takes uh, on a company I've ever heard from, you know, someone at the top from what, what is he? He's now the, the president of the Microsoft game studios. If I'm not mistaken, I, I know he, he just got some big time promotion over there, but definitely was not feeling as Cheerios, a very pessimistic interview uh, across the board. And, and even some like kind of defeatist sort of vibes that, that, that he was putting off there. And I, you know, you're catching someone at the fucking after the launch of Redfall, that's it's sitting at a 58 on Metacritic fans are up in arms. Like what the fuck's going on? Of course, there's going to be some of that attitude. Uh, but the thing is like some of the attitude is usually going to be reserved for behind closed doors. You're not usually going to put that out there in the open, but there's a part of me that kind of appreciates it. It's like, fuck it. If that's how you feel, then then tell the world how you feel. It's just, and he said it over and over in that kind of fun interview. It's like, it's just time to deliver now. You know, it's time for me to shut the fuck up about the, okay the showcase is going to give you everything that, you, that you're that you're waiting for it it's just time to deliver and um and great questions were asked and great answers were given they were really really shockingly transparent interview from a company that has pulled some very shockingly untransparent uh debacles here as of late so yeah i but you know there's a lot of this bullshit this buzz going around about people talking about Xbox's closure or, you know, it's, it's time for Xbox to get out of the console market space. And it's like, dude, you, you don't want to see a world where Sony is the only 
you know, I mean, you have Nintendo, but in terms of the, this style of game, if Sony's the only player in town in, in the console market space, I've talked about it before. That is not a world that you want. They already nickel and dime the shit out of you. And, and to, to, to have zero competition at all, the fuck you think they're going to do, which someone would, would uh, Google or Amazon or fucking Apple. Someone would take their, their place, but I, I don't want to live in a world without without Xbox. I, I really don't. I don't want to live in a world where PlayStation has like full fucking free reign dominance. Uh, I, I, we'd be paying a lot more than than what we're paying now for for a bunch of different shit. I, I can almost guarantee you that the the uh, anti consumer behavior would be off the charts. If Sony had the console market space just totally, uh, totally dominated, or if they just had had no competition at all, it's like uh, I don't, I don't think that's a world where any of us really want to to reside. So, hoping that Xbox turns it around. And uh, directly in relation to kind of funny that this next topic that we're going to dive into, uh, it was inspired by a kind of funny episode where. I believe they they called it like booking their PlayStation, their dream PlayStation showcase. So we are going to do the same thing here today, but we're going to be booking our dream Xbox showcase. Um, and and I I just liked the setup a lot more where because Mondane and I we did a, a video about a year or so ago where we booked our dream just showcase in general, like a dream E3, a dream whatever PlayStation show, whatever the case it was. And it was just like a, a general dream showcase. It wasn't restricted to any platform, but also that means it kind of wasn't relevant to any sort of news going on or anything like that. I, I liked the way that th that version was couched where it was like, okay, there's rumors of the PlayStation showcase. What is your dream version of a PlayStation showcase? And so today I'm going to uh, be booking my dream version of an Xbox showcase. And uh, kind of funny they, they they did a great job of keeping it somewhat in the lands of reasonable i'm not so much going to do that i'm on booking my dream my, my dream showcase with you know the idea of obviously first party integration and shit like that like it's going to be somewhere in the lands of of uh, reasonable but but pretty far on the spectrum of of dreamland as well so dream showcase 2023 xbox show let's kick it off so the show opener the the xbox 2023 showcase the show opener you see this uh the cinematic panning of of some crypts of some tombs you you, you see some open foresty locations and then you hear the whip snap it cuts from the the cinematic shot to full-on gameplay of Indiana Jones running in third person. Key point there, running in third person. Uh, Machine Games, obviously, uh, the first person uh, with with uh, the Wolfenstein games and shit like like they've only done first person games, and I think that's the big question mark here of what will this Indiana Jones game look like? Are we going to have our only licensed game? Is it going to be? where we can't even see our fucking licensed character. I think that's a lot of people's big worry. This, this dream showcase of mine, I think that would be a great fucking opener. Get it out of the way. See a real focus on the third person melee combat, as well as the exploration and the platforming. I, I just think that would be a, a 
uh, tempo setter. Get out the gate hot and and uh, yeah, just just keep cooking from there. So that's the show opener, Indiana Jones with with the the cinematic shot, the third person, all that. Second reveal, we 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 immediately cut from Indiana Jones to a fifty second gameplay trailer of Hollow Knight Silk Song with a release date for dot 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 right now available in game pass immediately after this showcase shadow drop hollow knight silk song game pass right now as soon as you finish watching the showcase it will be available minds blown we go from third person indiana jones to hollow knight silk song expectations are already met at this point people are hyped as shit and it's only fucking rolling from there we get into our next reveal, our third reveal of the show. And, and I, I went and I looked at the uh, 2022 Xbox showcase, and I think there were 29 games that were shown off altogether. So for this, I put together a list of like 20-ish. So a little bit less because we're, we're diving a little bit more in depth into some of these. We've got to see some, some lengthy gameplay uh, of some of this shit. So our third reveal, we get Compulsion's new game, the, the, this long rumored third person cinematic experience but it is a detective game an la noir type detective game with a small open world and you are playing as this investigator uncovering a string of murders uh, very light horror vibes but staying out of like the the supernatural and it's just like this grounded serial killer style horror game from the uh, perspective of a detective in this this small open world, uh, Chicago, L.A., wh wh whatever the fuck it did, you know, set it wherever you would like. But a smaller scale, open world, cinematic, narrative driven detective game uncovering a string of murders that could be pointing to a serial killer. Fucking you can get into the get into the bayou, get into, you know, go into the backwoods a little bit. You can you can do you can pull some some true detective season one vibes there would be fucking excellent fourth reveal we got it we got it we got to go back to basics every now and then as as yo Gotti said you got to go back to the basics fourth reveal we have forza motorsport and it gets its official release date for august 2023 you see the game running in real time for a couple minutes and uh the the, the you know the fucking the, the the cars are going vroom and everyone is is happy fifth reveal we have Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn. It shows back up again with a release date for December 2023. This is day one on Game Pass, ready to go. The, this uh, open world action RPG with a little bit of Souls influence to the combat. And it, it also has like some, some shooting mechanics and shit going on. It looks decent. So Flintlock, Siege of Dawn. It's been a while since we've seen anything on that. That pops up with a release date, December Day one drop on Game Pass. Sixth reveal, we got Ayuden Chronicles 100 Heroes. It's been a while since we have seen anything on that. Drops with a nice little gameplay trailer. Nothing nothing too fancy. A minute, minute and 30 seconds. And it gets its official release date for October 2023. Ayuden Chronicles 100 Heroes. Seventh reveal. I... I thought that this game was already on Game Pass, and I, I, I'm wrong. I looked it up. This motherfucker is not on Game Pass. Wrestle Quest, 
it, day one game pass release trailer it it's saying right now that it's getting a may release date but we've heard nothing on that for a while so let's say the the the, the showcase june 11th it gets a release date for july 2023 game pass day one turn-based cute wrestling action going on with some legends to explore around with and experience the story with just looks fucking tremendous wrestle quest day one on game pass that is my seventh dream reveal for the showcase eighth reveal we get kojima's cinematic cinematic cloud game we, we get a glimpse at the cinematics for the cloud game and they say specifically it is using cloud technology in unexpected ways that, 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 that's a big point there they say it's using cloud technology in unexpected ways but you can play this natively and download it to your console to you know be able to play it like a real game so i whenever i heard kojima was working on this this cloud experience with xbox i was a little bit bummed if it was going to be specifically that and it wasn't like you know a real full game even if it's not a huge game like a four hour kojima crazy ass you know narrative experience where he's taking your fucking cloud data and fucking with it or you know like like uh, you look at mgs1 um with with manis and then uh, constantly referencing like referencing the shit you played uh oh you you like castlevania or you like suikide or you, you know that that type of shit if if that was achievable through cloud and fucking with data a little bit to be able to make that present in this game but you could still download it and, and play it natively i'd be totally open to that once again i'm not a tech guru but I, I just hope that we hear an announcement that this is a real game and it's not like a you know a, a 45 minute long cloud demo test thing next up the ninth reveal we have the return of true arcane glory it's been a little bit since we've we've gotten a game from from arcane leona 20 actually it hasn't been that long death loop is 2021 but uh, you know uh, enough time to to at least get an announcement for dishonored three the director can can step on stage say hey look this thing just began active development um and and, and I think that's kind of the issue with Fable and Avowed and State of Decay 3. It's just the the lack of transparency. And we talked about that with Redfall, the the hiding the 60 frames and giving you the the glimpse at the cinematic trailer for for E3 2021 or, or yeah, I believe that was when it was revealed. And you're looking at the cinematics and thinking that's going to be representative of the final game, like seeing things like that in the cutscenes, and then you get still images. Like the lack of transparency is the the bummer, you know. Like if if Fable was announced and the director came out on stage and was like, hey, you know, the, the this fucking uh, this is this is so far out of left field for us, where we're trying, we're getting this thing going. It, it just began active development, but we wanted to announce it to let you guys know that this game, this franchise that, that is beloved, that you've been missing we are trying to revive it. Like, I think that would have done a lot to foster some trust within the community. So I think that's the way to move here. Dishonored three director comes out on stage and just like, Hey, we're working on it. It's, uh, just began active development. We're early in the process. Give us time. We're going to get this thing cooking for you. 10th reveal. 
Time to get a little crazy here. Time to get a little spicy. Flying Wild Hog reveals Evil West 2 coming day one to Game Pass. This is a very prolific studio. They dropped Evil West and Shadow Warrior in the same year, uh, last year. And uh, Evil West is, in my opinion, the first one is a definitive game of the year contender. Um, it, nothing has to be really said here for, for me. Just just a, a nice little review trailer. No window, just with the announcement that it's coming day one to Game Pass. And then they make nice, tight, you know, seven, seven, ten hour experiences. So that that's probably why their developmental pipeline is a lot shorter than, than other teams. Um, so maybe a 2024, 2025 release date wouldn't seem out of the question with within the, the realm of this totally fucking, uh, hypothetical fantasy world that I'm building here. All right. Getting back to reality for just a second, the, uh, 11th, reveal that we see is one that I do think we will see at the actual showcase Arabon shadow legacy with a release date for July, 2023. This is a uh, stealth based uh, title looks, looks very origami inspired, very origami esque with its, with its approach to stealth uh, mechanics um, with, with staying out of the light and shit like that. But yeah, Arbon Shadow Legacy. I feel like that that's one that, that just a fairly safe kind of cool off moment from from the big stuff. Head on uh, no disrespect to Arbon Shadow Legacy that kind of sounded rude. Didn't mean it to sound rude. Uh coming on to to number 12 here, the 12th reveal, we have Cocoon. This is uh the the game that that's from the uh gameplay designer of Inside and Limbo. And we already know it's coming to Game Pass day one. That, that's been confirmed uh, in reality outside of my fucking dream scenario here. But in, in we, we do know that this year, sometime this year, it will be coming to Game Pass. But it gets an official release date for September 2023. We move on to the 13th reveal. We got to get an update from the first party studio. We got to get an update from Perfect Dark. And... I think a, a, a real look at gameplay for Perfect Dark is needed to see what this team, what, what the initiative, what Crystal Dynamics, what they're cooking up for Perfect Dark. Is it first person? Is it third person? There's a lot of questions that I feel like really need to be answered here. Uh, you know, a lot of people are are hoping for the, the first person to kind of stay true and stay true to what it originally was uh, with the, the Nintendo 64 release. So, It'll be interesting to, to see if they brought Crystal Dynamics in and, and didn't make it third person. Just just I, I, I would be kind of shocked if this did end up turning out to be a first person shooter. But regardless, I I, I either which way I'm I'm down to, to check it out for sure. But um a four minute gameplay showcase, just diving into the mechanics, letting you know what perfect dark is, and and uh yeah, just some solid confirmation. Nothing, nothing too specific, but just some solid confirmation that development is is uh, on track. And whatever roadblocks that they ran into, they have cleared the way, and then they're 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 developing full steam ahead. Fourteenth reveal, Stalker Two gets a gets an update, and 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 gets a release date for for twenty twenty three. Just a nice little trailer, December twenty twenty three. 
release date for Stalker 2. 15th reveal, Everwild gameplay trailer. Uh, finally get to see what Rare has been working on outside of Sea of Thieves and just see what the fuck Everwild even is. Uh, no release date, anything attached to it, but an Everwild just nice gameplay trailer, uh, even if it's a minute, minute and 30 seconds, just to kind of get an idea of what that game is actually going to be. All right, it's time to get crazy. And I, I went way too nerdy with this. I prepared a bunch of shit. I wrote down a bunch of details for this next one that I want to see revealed. So stay with me for a minute. This one's going to take a little bit longer. The 16th reveal that we get is for a new Xbox exclusive title called WWE Raw. If, if those of you from, from back in the day, you'll remember WWE Raw was uh, an Xbox exclusive on the OG Xbox. Uh, well, it started off as WWF Raw and then went to WWE Raw for Raw 2, if I'm not mistaken. But it was, in uh, in my opinion, it was an era that that competition was essential for creating the best sports games on the market. You know, you had EA's take on football. You had 2K's take on football. You had EA's take on Madden. You had 2K's take on Madden. You also had, you know, the weird, the, like the Xbox exclusive Inside Drive and NFL Fever. And like there with wrestling, you had Day of Reckoning and WrestleMania on GameCube. You had Raw on Xbox. You had uh, SmackDown versus Raw on, on PS2. So you, it was just the the competition was fierce and it it forced these teams to make the best product they could and as of late there there was that rumor that that WWE wasn't too pleased with the 2K games performance and i i got to hope that we live in a reality sometime where this shit we we start getting things like this again where we start getting you know uh, I'm not saying necessarily exclusives, but just competition in the sports game space where one company, EA or 2K or whoever, just can't dominate and then grow somewhat complacent. Um, and you've seen that hardcore with with Madden and not so much with 2K as of late uh, with 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 WWE. I will give them that. But regardless, we're getting this new uh, this new iteration of Raw for the Xbox. And you see a, a quick gameplay. You you, you see just a, a little bit of gameplay, minute, two minutes, whatever. You see snippets of creating a character and then taking that character into a career mode. The gameplay stops, and then the head of the studio walks out on stage with Phil Spencer and announces that the team is working on this new game exclusively for Xbox, this new dream wrestling title, and the team is all made up of old Ukes talent and old WWE 2K talent. So it's a team that has worked on the, the state of the art, uh, highest fucking triple a wrestling titles since the, the early two thousands. They go on to talk about how this game is very much a, a narrative focused wrestling game and that they went out and, and hired uh, tons of voice actors who are, are doing the impressions of these WWE superstars so that they weren't bound to lessening the quality of the story because they couldn't get the specific wrestlers to like read their lines. Um, but the story is offering you three different ways to experience the career mode. Like I said, bear with me. I got a lot of shit wrote down here. The first option 
is playing as a created wrestler in a 10 to 15 hour campaign with branching pathways and alternate endings. The second option is playing a co-op campaign, either online or local co-op, where you are chasing the tag team titles in a five to six hour campaign with tons of replayability. And my dream scenario for this co-op campaign is that you end up winning the tag team titles with your partner at like Survivor Series. And then you and your partner both enter the Royal Rumble. And you're the last two remaining participants in the Rumble. And y'all just go to war. You're, you're, you're brawling it out to see who moves on to WrestleMania to face the champ. But over the course of the campaign, you and your partner obviously get to, to make decisions that are independent of one another in, in, the, in the main narrative. And whoever has made the more uh, heelish or, or evil decisions will end up cheating in the rumble and get the win. But then at the elimination chamber, the loser of the rumble gets the opportunity to, to win the elimination chamber match and make it a triple threat at mania. So essentially you and your, your partner, you know, could, could go to war at WrestleMania to, to see who ends the campaign with the title. So it's a fun way to give you the, the option to play a tag team cooperatively with a partner locally or online. And then by the end of it, have that, that fun fucking moment where one of you gets to raise the title over the other. So I think that'd be pretty fucking sick. Third option for the story is you get to create a GM and you're, you're taking over either raw or SmackDown after the previous GM was fired. You have a, a set roster, but essentially this is like a, a, a super massive game for for wwe you, like you're not going to be doing uh, much fighting or anything in this mode it's all very cinematic very choice driven you get to pick it like uh you know who's going to win the title at the pay-per-view planning out the finishes to matches picking between like uh you know you'll, you'll have the the little dialogue menu that pops up and you get to pick between like one or four characters to to strap a rocket to their back and make them a main eventer and uh, you know give them a title match or whatever the case may be and uh yeah, the the the, uh, the head of the studio, whatever, they, they, they finished their conversation with Bill Spencer by saying it's the most narrative content that has ever been produced in a, in a WWE game with well over 50 hours of content between the three story modes and the, the different replayable paths and shit like that. So I think that, that, that for me personally, that that's about as dream like if, if i just got that if the showcase was a total stinker and i just got some shit like that like my, my fucking heart would explode i i i'm craving a, a real real competitor to wwe 2k but regardless that's the uh 16th reveal that took up half the show 17th reveal in my dream showcases is, is we talked about it earlier so i won't uh, spend too much time on this fable we do have to see an update to fable so a good gameplay reveal trailer for fable if you wanted to do like i said earlier have the the director come out on stage and say look this is playground's first attempt at a third person action role-playing game it's difficult for us or we're we're overcoming the hurdles this is the latest slice of gameplay that, that we've cooked up we're still a few i don't i don't i probably wouldn't say a few years but we're still a couple years away from launching this thing if 
if that was the message, I don't think people would be too disappointed by that, especially with the fact that it's like, okay, hey, the transparency is there. That that's my thing. I I very much appreciate the transparency. Um, 18th reveal. Back to a uh, back to Dreamland for me. The Evil Within three is revealed, and I, I've been listening to uh, uh, Sleep Token, a, a band, rock metal, whatever you want to call it. And there's this song called Chokehold. And every time I listen to this fucking song, I just picture the Evil Within three being revealed to the song. It's such a cinematic, like like movie soundtrack style song it just sounds so tailor-made to be incorporated into some big reveal event or some like big character you know just just like it's one of those epic sounding songs and uh for me the most epic fucking reveal we could get would be the evil within three and uh after Hi-Fi Rush to Success, I, I'm not holding my breath on that. I think we probably will get a Hi-Fi Rush 2 before we get an Evil Within 3. But I I don't know. The the the, the little bit of, of uh you know, the little teaser, the little hint that we got in Hi-Fi Rush about, you know, uh, the Evil Within 3. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they're cooking up next. I'm praying, man. I'm praying. 19th reveal. Avowed. A five-minute look at gameplay with a 2024 window. Uh, I want the main takeaway to be after seeing this, everybody saying that the, the fucking powers and abilities and variety that was on offer with the gameplay shocked the shit out of people. We know obsidian's going to deliver the narrative. We know, we know obsidian is going to deliver incredible characters, a great story, but the gameplay, I want people to be leaving the showcase going, damn, Avowed looks like legitimately fun to play with a ton of variety on offer. 20th reveal, Hellblade 2, five-minute deep dive gameplay trailer with an October 2023 release date. That would be, I I really do think that would be the necessary spin on this negativity that we've been getting with Xbox. In reality, if we did get an October date for the Evil Within or for Hellblade 2, I, I think that you know if Starfield can launch in September, uh, Hellblade 2 holiday 2023, I think a lot of that negativity will kind of start to spin back around. Because if you look at it that way, and if you look at it at the end of 2023, and you go, okay, hey, look, we had fucking we had Hi-Fi Rush January, we had uh, Starfield September and we had Hellblade 2 to close out the year. That's three big games. If if all of those are good, and and you know they had um, Minecraft Legends as well, which I think is is at like around a seventy, which isn't awful. Um, and then they had the PC port of Age of Empires. So uh, that that's not a bad year if Hellblade launches. If not, you know, but perfect world here. Hellblade 2 launches to close off the year. Um, I, I think the 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 main goal with Hellblade when showing it off is for people to once again come away saying, oh wow, that actually looks more fun to play than we expected. We know the tech is going to be there. We know that the graphical uh, fidelity, the, the powerhouse that this game is going to be technically, we're all well aware. I just want, I want to know that the gameplay, the moment to moment is going to be fun. All right, time for the show closer. And um, this is, 
I, I think a sin that this hasn't happened already. Punisher by the coalition. There is probably no team on the planet that makes more sense to develop a Punisher game than the coalition. It's right there. Like it, it, it is what gears of war is just, just you can almost remake the PS2 Punisher game inside of gears of war. Like, I don't understand how that deal hasn't been struck yet. It, it, it boggles my mind. It really, really boggles my mind. So Punisher by coalition, uh, just, just a nice, you know, it doesn't even have to be anything too fantastic. Just a quick announcement to let you know what happened, let you know what's happening because that's the thing with these style of games. They are momentum changers. They are essential. These licensed titles, these beloved IP to be adapted into the video game space with care. And we know the coalition constantly knocking out of the park. So I, them on the Punisher, I think that's that's a match made in heaven. So, you know, that that uh that 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 closes off the show. This has been an incredible year as we achieved record growth across console and Game Pass, with millions of people playing our games every single day. And we have you to thank for that. Oh, wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. I forgot. There is one more thing. so fast my friends we got one more thing and it is in exiles new action rpg they said it's the most ambitious game in exile has ever created that was the rumor and you're damn right it's the most ambitious game in exile has ever created because it is a star wars bounty hunter title a star wars bounty hunter first person shooter action role-playing game the trailer shows off tons of choice who lives, who dies, 
shows off some jetpack exploration. And we close off the show with a nice chunky three minute look at a legit Star Wars game coming exclusively developed by a first party team to your Xbox consoles. Close off with the Punisher, close off with the Bounty Hunter. We go off on our way with uh, two badass titles to look forward to exclusively on Xbox. So that's my dream showcase there. Of course, a lot of that shit will not happen. And I'm not, I want to be very clear. Like none of this is what I'm expecting to happen. This is not my expectations or my predictions. Like that's a later time, but for, for, just a nice fucking dream. I think there's some fun shit to pick apart. There's some fun shit to sort of sift through and, and, and uh, discuss and think about there. So I, I come on, man, hit me with, I, and it's the thing too, with this style of showcase, just, just give me a little something like that. A little something that is totally unexpected, like a new wrestling game or like a, a fucking bounty hunter game or like a, a, a punisher game or a fucking, you know, um, uh, X-Men, get whatever the case may be, something that's like, holy shit, I can't believe that's there. Those type of moments, the L.A. Noir style inspired compulsion game, like those moments are crucial. And yeah, this is this is a dream showcase. Like I said, I'm, I'm keeping my expectations low, but God damn, it'd be cool to see at least something unexpected, like a couple of those announcements there I, I just thought this shit was fun whenever i was preparing for this i was like constantly just jotting down ideas nonstop. It was, like, it was like one of those flow moments where you're going through it like damn this is even just preparing for this is fun so i'd love to see some of your dream uh you know your your dream xbox showcase announcements down in the comments below all right we are running really fucking long here so i'm rapid fire running through this the ranking of april ranking the six games that i played in April, number six, Dead Island 2. I finished it, so I got to give it its credit there. Um, it just didn't quite click with me. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that it came out in as solid of a state as it did, but that really wasn't what I was looking for. Like, I wasn't just going to be okay with the fact that, hey, it went through development hell and it finally came out and it was actually a pretty good game. Like I wanted a little bit more than just that from it. It was a $70 title and it just didn't quite give me anything to latch on to and uh, anything to latch on to and, and really, really enjoy. It was decent enough, fun enough, but nothing overly special. Number five, a space for the unbound. And, and from here on, all these next uh, five games, I really, really did enjoy a space for the unbound. It is this cute 2D side-scrolling adventure that is a narrative juggernaut that you would never expect by looking at it. It has some narrative punch to it, man. Real, real um introspective and and it was it was shocking to me. It was shocking some of the revelations, some of the character arcs, and some of the the things that took place in this game really, really shocked me. And just just such a cute, charming little town that you're getting to go and explore. Very NES uh, SNES style uh, adventure game feel to it, and it just it was so charming and full of passion. Really enjoyed a space for the Unbound. But the next four games here are are, are juggernauts. Number four, Grand Theft Auto Four. I know some people are like, what the fuck? How, how is Grand Theft Auto 4 number four on any list? 
look, I, I really, really did enjoy it. I love the agency over the narrative. I, that was hands down the most standout feature of this game. The fact that you actually got to make choices for who lived, who died. And like these big weighty choices, you actually got to make those in a grand theft auto game. That's not a common feature for GTA at all. So I really, really appreciated that, but it was very dated in a lot of respects. Um, I just felt the, the, the driving was rough. I felt the shooting was rough. It, 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 it was dated. It was, it was for sure, for sure dated, but the narrative was so great that I, I didn't mind the dated mechanics of it whatsoever. I was, I was fine running through it. I acknowledged it. It was there. It was persistent, but it, it the narrative was so good that it was just like you, you overlooked that to get to the next narrative beat. So Grand Theft Auto 4 at number four, number three, Burning Shores, Horizon Burning Shores, the DLC. This is probably the most impressive game on a technical level that is available right now. The the shit that they did with the, the, the cloud physics and the fucking, you know, you're taking your mount through the clouds and just soaring up, up above the clouds and dipping down into the sea with your water mount that you get introduced to in the game and uh, avoiding these airstrikes to, uh, as you're, as you're, diving you know down with your your water wing uh, the, the the water wing mount thing to to avoid the missile strikes and it, it you know just the the scale of that final boss battle and then seeing the hollywood sign with the the pool of lava up underneath it it's just a visually striking game with the best character models in gaming uh and then just yeah i think the most impressive game on a technical level that that thing runs so smoothly and is just a total powerhouse on the, on the performance side it's it's a marvel number 2 dredge who knew that uh survival horror and fishing would go so goddamn well together uh, it's it's a match made in heaven fits like a glove and this is such an addictive little game going off catching your fish bringing them back to the 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 fish market and and uh, selling it up getting your money up going and buying some upgrades going and and dredging to to find the right materials to put together so that you can unlock the next path for your upgrades and then get get the you know latest and greatest motors and get the latest and greatest fucking fishing nets and shit like that and then going off and trying to to hit the docks before nighttime so that you don't have to endure the 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 horrors of exploring the, this open this open ocean at the you know the the late nights and then worrying about these supernatural occurrences that may pop up wonderful wonderful game number 1 of course it's not even close star wars jedi survivor there's nothing else that I want to play. It's actually a legitimate problem. I, I have to do a show each week. And if I don't play other games, I don't really have a show that I can do. It's the best Star Wars game I've ever played. It's one of the best stories I've ever played. It's fucking unbelievable. I've talked about this thing at nauseum. So if you want to hear more about it, obviously just, just tune into the podcast and, and pick, you know, episode eight began talking about it, talk more about it again here today. So a lot of, of Jedi survivor talk is available on the channel. I will spare you all from me talking about it anymore. So that is my April rankings, ranking the games that I played in April. All right. And it is now time for the final topic, which you voted on over on YouTube and top 10 PS3 games. Surprise, surprise took the win there um, with five unpopular gaming opinions. And what is the most important game releasing in 2023 coming in at 
uh, second place tying for for second place there or as of recording this i'm sure by the time it uploads it'll be a little bit different but top 10 games uh top 10 ps3 games clearly the the number one vote there so it's looking like uh sean ward says here be prepared to run through all the consoles it's definitely ps2 and ps1 i'm thinking we'll, we'll probably i i assume ps2 will definitely win the vote i, I think ps1 probably should uh, as well I, I i would be surprised if it didn't so we'll knock out those two and then call it a wrap on on the the console rankings because i, I kind of do this it's not like an exclusive thing obviously i'm not going through just exclusive ps3 games so it's more like top 10 games of the ninth generation eighth generation seventh generation sixth and fifth and i really can't go from uh, like the fourth and third generation and shit like that because i wasn't really alive for those so um yeah we will um crack this thing off with the top 10 ps3 games I'm interested next week because I have another good candidate that I think might, I don't know, PS2 is such a juggernaut of a system, I don't see it getting outvoted. But yeah, next week, it'll it, PS2, top 10 PS2 games, I, I'm expecting to be what is uh, covered for the final topic. And I'm down, I, I love fucking going off and then, I love preparing these lists because it's so difficult. And actually, the, the PlayStation 3 was maybe the hardest list that I've prepared so far because... For one, all of these are mostly games that I've played recently, except for a couple, um, because I missed the seventh generation. This was when I was in high school and I didn't play a lot of games. I would play like, you know, I don't know, a game or two a year, a new game or two each year. I was very, very casual, whereas with the fifth and sixth generation, I was playing games nonstop from Blockbuster and shit like that. And then uh, I guess this would have been right around the time where Blockbuster went away. So. Uh, yeah, that, that that would actually make a lot of sense why I stopped checking out, stop checking shit out as much as well there. So uh, a, a weird generation for me that is all of this is mostly stuff I've experienced as an adult, which is kind of cool. So and it's my favorite generation by far to go back to at this point. I, I love going back to this the the uh, seventh generation of consoles because I feel like the games actually hold up pretty damn well uh, in comparison to you know, obviously fifth and sixth generation, but it's crazy how much of a leap there was there from the sixth generation to seventh. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about this man. Top 10 PlayStation three games. Number 10, we have the Wolf Among Us one. And this game is so important just to the fact that I even have this show, the fact that I'm playing games now, the fact like this got me back into gaming. Uh, fucking my cousin had an Xbox 360 at the time and he left it over at my house with a copy of The Wolf Among Us, not like for me to play or anything. Like he just bought the copy and he was over at my house and planned on playing it. And I, I don't even know if he ever played it, but I damn sure did. I booted that thing up on the 360 and I was just wild, man, because I, I loved the Indigo Prophecy. Uh, you know, the, the Quantic Dream game. And I loved that style of narrative in video games, but there really wasn't a lot of it in the PS2. There wasn't, as far as I know, that that was about it for that style of game on the PS2. And I was just blown away booting up The Wolf Among Us to see how far we had come with the narratives and the way that they were presented and the choices that you were you were given and just these characters, these iconic beloved characters, the Snow Whites and the Beauty and the Beasts and the, all their fucked up ass stories 
that you're you're having to experience as as the you know the town sheriff bigsby just such a charming character and then i shouldn't say charming he's gruff but a softy on the inside you know but but definitely has the beast within as well so i i loved the the wolf among us and i really really hope that that telltale and that was actually talking about the the poll that we put up here the most important games of 2023 i, I was actually uh, the expanse was one that i, I had wrote down because i started because that that was winning for a while the most important games of 2023 was winning for a while and so i started preparing that list and then top 10 games uh, ps3 games took it over in in the poll but the expanse was one that i put on there because that's like it seems that could be a make or break game for telltale as a studio and i hope to god that, that people support the expanse support the expanse that way we can get the wolf among us too i i really hope we get that damn game man um it's it's one of my most anticipated games period but we just don't ever hear anything about it number nine dragon age origins once again this is all story here (laughs) everything that that is important to me with dragon age origins is in regards to uh, the story and and really uh, the character driven story more than anything um uh, morgan with with uh, her arc with 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 her and her mom and and how that branches into to dragon age 2 which i i I do enjoy too i i just i enjoy the freedom with like the the dialogue decisions and and all that shit a lot more in one not being limited to the the three options on the wheel and then just you know, being allowed to kind of upgrade your, your dialogue options a lot more in one, it just felt more robust and not as constrained in one as it did into. And I don't know. I just loved that, that it allowed you to be slightly more morally ambiguous in one than it did into uh, th- th- there are great moments in two, and you can kind of throw the two together, but if I had to pick one or the other, I, I would definitely pick uh, uh, dragon age origins. Number eight, Uncharted 2. Hands down, the best Uncharted game on the PS3, in my opinion. Some of uh, the best moments just in general in the entire series, the the, the train battle with the, the helicopter. In terms of, of narrative moments, you have the, the fucking love triangle kind of going on there with Nate, Chloe, and, uh, and uh, Elena. It's, I don't know, it, it, it's obviously fucking the scale was drastically improved from one to two i guess with the success of one financially a lot more money was was uh, going naughty dog's way for the development of the sequel i'm guessing and and you you see that more than anything with that opening shot with the train hanging off the cliff nate trying to fucking you know shimmy his way up that train in the in the snowy locations it was just like one of the most cinematic moments that we had ever seen in games at the time. It was so impressive on a technical level. And um, yeah, it it was just fucking beautiful. Nothing. I hadn't seen anything else like that in, in that generation. Number seven, dead space two. I love the original of course, but I just think the second is an improvement in every way in my opinion more more location diversity uh cleaned up the mechanics across the board uh gave you a voice for isaac it's just top tier 
action horror gaming uh, uh dead space especially like with kind of the weird cultist scientology-esque angle that they have going on there with the plot the the what is it like the little daycare section the creepy uh, just real creepy vibes they're hearing like the what is it the kids laughter or whatever in the background fucking eerie eerie section in that game and um yeah it, it's more action-packed in general than dead space one i would say but i don't know i loved the locations and the the location diversity that was on offer for dead space 2. number six <laughs> this is one that might piss some people off alpha protocol uh obsidian's spy rpg that was not beloved by many but man it i once again talking about decision making and i know people are going to get tired well being fair the ps5 top 10 ps5 games top 10 ps4 games top 10 ps3 games. these are really the only three generations where i think i'll have any games in my top 10 that offer up any decision making at all because this is really where decision making started becoming very prominent in the game space so yeah I guess you don't really have to worry about hearing me talk about decision making too much for top 10 PS1 and top 10 PS2 if those win the those win the votes. But the decision making on offer with Alpha Protocol was just a step above almost anything else on the on the market at the time. They really went all in to give you drastically different scenarios that would play out depending on the choices you made, depending on the people you aligned with and just taking Michael Thornton, you know, being betrayed by the United States government, picking these shady allies who you're going to who you're going to side with, who you're going to oppose. The 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 stakes are so high. The I've talked about it a 100 times, but the Batman um Dark Knight inspiration for one of the missions won't spoil it but the the deciding who to save great setup there with the villain um yeah i fucking i love uh, alpha protocol the i love the goddamn uh, decision making in alpha protocol the, the email setup what what game offers you a more robust interesting way to interact with emails than alpha protocol uh, 10 out of 10 fucking email interaction number five Arkham Asylum, probably the most important superhero game ever. I don't think that would be hyperbolic. You, you could maybe say the Neversoft PS1 Spider-Man game just for introducing introducing uh, the like 3D kind of the the 3d inspiration for for what developers would take from from that point going forward kind of but i i would still you you would have to probably say arkham asylum would be the the most important uh superhero title ever released um and and just from the the quality perspective as well it's insane you know it's a fantastic 3D Metroidvania with with a great original story, uh, unbelievable recreation of Arkham Asylum. The I, I think the 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 visuals still hold up to this day, and I, I say all that and haven't mentioned the fact that it's the most uh, innovative, revolutionary third person melee system that was introduced in games probably ever 
you know, the, the often imitated, never duplicated Arkham Asylum combat system. And the thing is, is it, it can kind of be duplicated because it's a simple setup that just flows so well. It's the feeling of the flow in that combat that, um, yeah, it's fucking amazing, man. It's an incredible, incredible uh, combat loop with, with Arkham Asylum that I'm so glad Rocksteady created because I still to this day in 2023 think it is my favorite combat system, third person combat system, melee combat system in, in gaming in general. So coming in at number four, I struggle with this, man. I really do. I'm still struggling with it. Obviously, Arkham Asylum is more important than this game. But number four, I'm going with Infamous 2. In terms of moment-to-moment fun, I don't think I've ever had more fun with a superhero game than Infamous 2. I don't believe so. Um, Arkham Asylum is is the most influential superhero game ever. I'll give it that. I love it so much. I truly, truly do. But goddamn, man, I, I loved the feeling of almost feeling like a created character in Infamous 2. Obviously, you have a pre-built character with Cole, and and you know his set powers but like you kind of choose the way he plays you choose the different powers that you're going to focus on that you're going to utilize and there's so many on offer it's just it gives you a ton of variety with gameplay and i love infamous one but the improvements across the board like from the the visuals the the you know having this vibrant new orleans open world to explore and having like real cutscenes in infamous two with characters that presented you actual uh, challenge to the the decisions that you were going to make like it wasn't just okay yeah i'm going to pick the bad path because i want to get the bad upgrades or i want to pick the the hero path because i want to get the hero upgrades like the characters actually presented you with like complex narrative decisions that you had to make and sometimes you would lean one way or the other even if it affected the the path that you were going down to upgrade fully evil coal or fully fucking hero coal like you you would kind of make those delineations and then go a, a separate way because you felt more inclined to side with someone from a narrative point of view and i, I loved that i loved having a little bit more complexity there and I thought the story was really, really good, wrapped up well. Obviously, Infamous Second Son was a little bit uh, of a disappointment in comparison, but yeah, fucking in terms of the variety of powers on offer, I don't think I've ever had more fun playing a superhero game than I did with with Infamous 2. Coming in at number three, it's almost shocking me just looking at it that it's number three. That is the last of us the last of us is number three on my top 10 ps3 games I, that, that goes to show you how fucking great the library is for uh, seventh gen consoles but because uh, the last of us to me is probably all time like a six or seven of, of my favorite games ever so it, it, some heavy hitters uh, ahead of this but tlu three man or tlu at, at number three um uh, tlu three would be nice but uh, last of us I don't really know what I can even add to this conversation at this point. It's adapted into probably the greatest video game adaptation ever. And that's because the source material is pretty much perfection. It, it doesn't get much better than this from a narrative perspective. It's probably the greatest narrative that's ever been told in gaming. It, th- those are almost like definitive things. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's not my personal favorite story ever, which it's 
damn close. It's probably the greatest one ever told. And you, Naughty Dog are exceptional. At uh, I love the Colin Moriarty quote, the production per square inch. That's the best way to define what Naughty Dog does. They, it, it, everything to the fucking finest detail is polished to a, a shine, man. It's it's remarkable what they can do in their game worlds. Nobody else like them. So, Last of Us at number three. A game I will expand upon greatly, though, is uh, coming in at number two. Sleeping Dogs. I want to scream from the fucking rooftops. Scream from the mountaintops. This is the most underrated game ever. I don't understand how this thing didn't sell uh, 20 million copies, 30 million copies, and be a legit Grand Theft Auto competitor because it damn sure deserved to be. It was so ambitious and and it was doing so much. It had Max Payne-esque slowdown shooting as you're, you're leaping over a table, sliding across the table, lining up a headshot, picture perfect, bow, taking out an enemy, fucking getting in these car chase scenes where you're, you're shooting at a car, the car topples over you, exploding above your head. You're in a car chase scene, jumping from your car to another, pulling a dude out of the car. Like It's so goddamn fun the the driving is arcadey and fun the the action the the melee combat once again is very arkham uh, arkham asylum inspired with the flow the counter base system go into the dojo learning your up uh, you know getting your upgrades learning your different abilities getting in the flow to where you almost feel like you're in a in a fighting game with the different button prompts that you're having to memorize in combat just it feels so goddamn good to play the environmental takedowns, the weapons that are on offer, the, the, it, it, it's the story is solid. You know, this undercover investigation that's going on and it, it, God damn, man, I don't understand how sleeping dogs didn't uh, just, just sell like hotcakes. It's so good. It's better than, than all the other open world crime games out there. It's legitimately better than all of them except San Andreas, everything else. It's better than a promise. Go play it. Number one, I don't really know how to do this because I'm not going to do both of them on the list. So I'm just going to include them together because here's the thing. They would both of these games would be over everything else on the list. So putting them at number one's fair. If you want to say, OK, you can you can put them at one and two and you got to knock off the Wolf Among Us at number 10. Sure. But I think the Wolf Among Us at number 10 is, is solid because it tells a real good story about the, the, the entire generation for me at large. So and how I got back into gaming in general. So number one is Mass Effect one and two. This is uh, for me, I I. I don't think that I would because the wolf among us for sure was like in terms of getting more into gaming in general. Absolutely. The wolf among us was crucial for that. And then going into the last of us after that was crucial, but really, really getting invested into like RPGs and action RPGs. And then that type of shit. Cause I always found RPGs to just be a little bit too tedious for me with gear management, all that. Like I, I never really liked all that. Uh, too much but mass effect one and two laid it out perfectly for me to where it was a very narrative heavy once again decision-based role-playing game this epic sci-fi romp that you're going on this this adventure that you're going on with shepherd and the the cast of characters that are on offer here with with in the moments with these characters the the encounter on the beach with with rex that's uh, so crucial to the rest of the entire series the the fucking 
Ashley or Caden decision. Um, the, the, uh, interaction with with sovereign for the first time the the complexity with Saren and then that villain arc and just just world-class storytelling that's all told in the span of of uh, 20 25 hours you know what i mean for for the main narrative it's it's really not that long you can get through the main narrative much quicker than that but like for main and side content not much more than than 25 hours or so um it, it, it it's it's a remarkable remarkable sci-fi adventure and going on the, the second adventure being much more companion oriented going on those companion quests and seeing where jack comes from and, and kind of relating more to her or not not necessarily relating to her but definitely sympathizing with her and then you know the the thane arc was fucking magical and the um the the jacob arc with his father the, the, those moments are just forever ingrained in, in my head mass effect 2 was a huge improvement uh, the the cinematic structure of the game was much improved the uh, i i think obviously the gameplay the the kind of cover base gears of war inspired shooting was much more improved but i, I do think the the true role-playing nature of mass effect 1 was a little bit more magical to me the the seeing the citadel for the first time was a little bit more magical to me um but for sure that one and two both have to be number one on my list i three probably wouldn't crack the top 10 but it's still somewhere in that top it would probably be somewhere in the top 30 playstation 3 games that i've ever played i i did it at, at the very least enjoy mass effect 3 but one and two are both number one i would put one above two if i had to but they're they're both they're but they both have to be number one on this list so it's my top 10 ps3 games man i I appreciate y'all for, for tuning in. I appreciate y'all for, for uh, sticking around for this long ass episode. Uh, hit me in the comments. Let me know your top 10 PS3 games. Let me know your, your whatever fucking, uh, whatever topic you want to hit off of here that, that we discussed your dream Xbox showcase, your ranking of your, whatever hit me in the comments. And, uh, it's going to be it. I recorded the shit way too late. I'm getting fucking drowsy over here, but I appreciate y'all for tuning in and I will see you good people in the next episode next Tuesday. Take it easy and get ready for the vote. I'm sure you motherfuckers are going to vote top 10 PS2 games, but I I'm pumped. I'm, I'm ready to go for top 10 PS2 games. There's, there's a lot of good PS2 shit that I haven't even really uh, ever talked about much on the channel. So that'll be a fun one to go through if you guys do indeed vote for it. But like I said, I have a topic in my head floating around that I think might, might squeeze out top 10 PS2 games, but we shall see that is up to you guys. So appreciate y'all for tuning in and I will see you good people in the next episode, 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 hold up. Wait.